Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We are a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We're compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, being a community that serves the greater community. Amen? All right. Let's jump in. We're continuing our series in the book of Philippians. We're chapter 2. We're going to finish chapter 2 today. We're um, verse 14 through 30 in Paul's continuing letter to the church there. Um, And he's been talking about a bunch of different things, like how do we make progress and have joy and and pursue that in a healthy way. Uh, This morning, we're going to get into a passage where he talks about them being shining lights. And so passages, um, I don't know, that phrase shining lights, it kind of feels like like candy canes in the shape of a heart. It's like one of them church phrases. It sounds all lovey-dovey or oogie-googly. And it's like, uh. all right, shining as lights. Let's let's put some practical to that. So um, that's what we're going to get into this morning. And Paul is as practical as it gets. And so that'll, hopefully we're going to see some, some fun stuff this morning. Let's pray and then we'll get going. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for all the things we sang truth is about you, about that amazing grace, and we thank you, Lord, that, um, that you're God of answers, solutions, healing, and I pray, Lord, we'd be reminded of that this morning, and we have an opportunity to project who you are, and so, Lord, this morning, as we see how do we project, how do we shine in a way that draws attention to you? I pray that you would teach us, train us, make it clear, and may we enjoy our time with you. May it honor you and your son through your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. This one's going to start off with a bang. Ready? Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Amen. Let's pray and call it a morning. We're done. Thanks for coming. We're finished. That's enough right there. Just don't grumble. Don't dispute. What, you know what this is? This is um, uh, critiquing, complaining. Well, no, I, I just have a question. No, you don't. This is being difficult. But don't worry. This kind of stuff never happens, right, in life. Isn't this, isn't this becoming our culture? Grumbling and disputing, picking sides, polarization. No, we don't do that. Communication slips at church. That's, the, that's like in, in my industry. Like that's the way I like to say it sometimes. In my industry, the, one of the problems is communication slips. I used to, I worked at a church for over 10 years where on the bulletin, that bulletin you have right here, there'd be the side thing would it would it was like a flap it was perforated and you could fill out your name and and any comments or prayer requests and things like that and then you tear it all across the perforation and you could drop it in the offering plate and then at staff meeting that week we could all sit around and read the communication slips how come so and so da 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 so and so had flip flops on stage so and so was chewing gum how come the chairs didn't match in the foyer you know just like all these complaints 
I thought to myself, I thought these were supposed to be prayer requests, or I'd like to join a class, or something positive. Guess what we don't have at Rock Bible Church? From the beginning, I think it might even be in the bylaws, no communication slips, period. Why? I want to help you keep from sinning. Because Paul says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Stop complaining. Being difficult. He says this to the church. And here's, here's why he says to avoid these things. That you may, or because, you want to be blameless and innocent. Don't pick a side. Because you pick a side, you start quarreling, being grumpy. All of a sudden, you might misstep. Let's take the might out. You'll misstep, and you'll cross something, and now you're not innocent. Now you're guilty, mistreating people. Uh, now you can be blamed for something. Why? Because you're in confrontation. It's no fun. Uh, he wants us to be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Oh, so the Bible is timely, right? He knew about crooked and twisted generations long before the 21st century, right? He says, you're going to live amongst a bunch of stuff. Don't get it on you. Don't pick up their patterns. Don't pick up the negativity. You can be different. In fact, we're called to be different. So rather than being crooked and twisted, let's be blameless and innocent. Among whom, this among this generation that's twisted, you are the ones that shine as lights in the world. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. We have a role to play. Uh, remember uh, week one, first passage, chapter one, when we started this book, we, we joked that you got new job descriptions, right? Does anybody, does anybody remember? You still owning it? What are you? Saints. We're all saints, right? In fact, there's, have you heard the phrase, all saints? Yeah. Where do you think that came from? From the Bible. We have a role to be saints in a less than saintly culture. He says, do that to the best of your ability. Now, let's figure out what he says. How do you do that? Well, verse 16, holding fast to the word of life. What's that? What's the word of life? God. Hey, God's word. There we go. One person answered. Excellent. People at home, I hope you yelled out the answers because we're, we're like D minus in here. Right? Uh, God's word, scripture, the Bible. What did, I, what did I say this morning? Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're Christ-centered, biblically based. Right? There's only one thing that comes before the Bible for us. What is that, Mark? There you go. Oh, that felt good. Man. We, it's been a long time since we got to do that, right? Um, Christ as our center how do we keep him as our center? How do we keep blameless and innocent regardless of what's going on around us when everything's pushing us the wrong direction towards darkness? The thing that keeps us founded, grounded, and on the right track is God's word. Where do you get your ideas? 
Um, what's your starting point? Your building block? What is your chief cornerstone? You know, what is the foundation that you built the house on? Right? It's God's word and obeying it. So we hold fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, ooh, what's coming? There's a day of Christ? Ooh, future. Is that a trailer? That's a trailer, isn't it? A little hidden trailer. There's some day of Christ coming, and when that day comes, I want to be proud. I didn't run in vain or labor in vain. You ever work on something for a really long time, and then it gets destroyed? Think sandcastle, right? I stopped building sandcastles with my kids for a while. There were a couple years where we just stopped doing them. I mean the good ones. We, we built the cruddy ones, the simple ones, like this is just a bucket, and we flipped it over, and oh, sandcastle, because what would happen right after? They would come in and step on it, like, I'm Godzilla, you know, whatever. Uh, look at all the people running, you know. We don't want a vain effort where it looks good, but there's nothing accomplished where you go to fix something and you work on it all day and you finally get it put back together and you t put the power button on and bam, it blows up again. That's my dad and I working on the weed eater one day. Took the whole thing apart, got all the springs out and da 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 and the motor and a switch and, and need some parts, went down to the hardware store, came back and we're sitting there putting this thing together. I mean, we spent probably four hours working on this thing. We finally got it all back together. My dad turned on the power and blam, it's just gone. It's like, well, that was wasted that whole day, right? If we, if I think if we had just both gotten jobs and worked for those four hours, his wages for four hours, my wages for four hours, we just could have bought a new weed eater, right? Hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, we don't want to have hindsight in the day of Christ and say, oh, I wish I'd been better. I would like to have done this, chased that, helped them, served here, given towards whatever. Even if I am to be, verse 17, watch this, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering, don't, let's stay on that page right there. Let's stay even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering, there's, there's like a visual here for this one. I remember we're a Jewish, Jewish culture, um, we're, we're a Jewish Pharisee, teaching a Jewish culture how to be Christians now, a church in Philippi. And he says, you know, it's kind of like the offerings you used to take to the temple and you do a, 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 a drink offering. Um, well, actually, I guess we have to go to the next slide for the visual. Uh, poured over a, a sacrificial offering, right? So you'd come in, there'd be some offering, and usually it's some kind of animal that's slain. A drink offering would be a liquid where you would come in and you would, you would pour it over it, sprinkle it over depending on what the ritual was for that thing. Um, when you pour liquid over something, what happens? Just, just goes all over the place. It's just, right? It's everywhere. Is there any way of like recollecting that, putting that back together, right? It's like, what do they say about toothpaste? It's like, once the toothpaste is out of the... Tube, yeah, that's it. 
right? I mean, how do they even get it in there in the first place, right? Anyways, um, there's a visual here where Paul's saying, look, I'm in jail and I'm sick, um, and you're not, but this is what you need to do, and it doesn't even matter if I'm poured out like a drink offering to where you can't put me back together to get again, right? If, if I'm Humpty Dumpty and I'm never going back, all the king's horses, all the king's men, that's it, I'm done, this is still what we do. No matter what happens to me, no matter how bad it gets for me, this is what we do, right? So love that, that drink offering poured out as, over the sacrificial offering of your faith. He's saying, your faith needs to keep going, regardless of what happens to me. If this ends poorly for me, Paul, I never want that to be a, a doubt-causing event for your faith. Well, you know, I used to believe, but then do you see what happened to Paul? Gosh, he got really sick, and he got jailed, and he never got out, and he just, what a terrible demise. I can't believe in a God that would allow that to happen. Paul's saying, ah, you're keeping the wrong score. You're keeping score in the wrong game. In fact, this isn't even a game. You're looking at this all the wrong way. We do things because of who God is and what he's called us to, regardless of the outcome or the events or the culture or the commentary, or how much you get posted about. He says, this is why we do that, for our faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. About what? Where did we say he was just now? And, and in what condition is he? He's sick and in jail. Why would we rejoice with him? This is light and momentary affliction. Paul would call it in another book, in another verse. Light and momentary affliction. This is just for now. I'll be, I'm sick now, but eventually, is he always going to be sick? Then you get better. Is he always going to be in jail? Nope, he's going to heaven. We rejoice because we know the truth, because we know the author of the truth, because we know Mark. We, that's, we always have something to rejoice in. We always have something to look forward to that can direct our action, give us direction. It, it's, it's super important for us because it's so easy for us to get pulled off course. Um, it's super easy to scratch the record, right? And the, the current, current culture, they don't, the whole record player thing, they don't, they don't get that, Right? But for those of us who remember record, anybody still have a record player? We still have one. And, and you take the needle and you put it down there and you just have to be really careful to get it in the right spot. And then don't touch it. Everybody stay away from it. Don't dance too close to it. Don't, nothing, because something bumps and what? Skips, right? You can mess it up really easy. Um, that's, how, that's how life can be. Verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you so that I may be cheered by news of you. All right, all of a sudden, Paul's pulled Timothy into the story here. Let's find out about Timothy. For I have no one like him, ooh, high praise, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. What sets him apart? He knows how to be genuine, and he knows how to be concerned. And what does he care about? Welfare. Sounds like a good dude. 
for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Ooh, is that a commentary on Timothy still? Probably. He's not seeking his own interest, but he's seeking the interest of who? Jesus. All right, all right. Uh, but you know Timothy's proven worth. Ooh, I'm slapping that on your job description. Your post to prove your worth as a Christian. What? I, I didn't think we were earning salvation. I didn't say anything about earning your salvation. You're supposed to prove your worth. If you're a Christian, act like it. Talk like it. Spend your time, your actions, um, what you do with your body, all those things should be proof that there's worth in you and that you know where your worth comes from. Um, Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Love that. Is he, is he staying positive? It's like, I'm not giving up hope. I'm going to get better, and I'm going to get out, and then watch out, because I'm going to be on the loose. Right? Now we're going to have some fun. Verse 25, I have thought, I've thought it necessary to send you uh, Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, this is some high praise, and your messenger and minister to my need. Love that. He's like, soldier, brother, all this stuff, but then the last one, and minister to my need. How many um, ministers do we have on staff at Rock Bible Church? Do you know this? Four? I don't know. Who do we count and who do we not count? No, no, no. Um, but we got a pretty close answer. Scott, how many was it? Hundreds. We're all ministers. We're, we're to minister to needs. Right? It's part of being saints. Uh, Verse 26, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that I was ill. Man, we got some weird like circular stuff going on here. Paul's sick and they heard about it and so they were distressed and then Epaphroditus was worried that they were worried because they were worried about, but like, man, there's like an abundance of ooey gooey care for everybody stuff going on here, which might be an argument for us having candy canes and heart shapes. Let's care about stuff, right? Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Does God work things out? He does. And I'm more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again. You thought you lost him. But I want to prove to you that he's still around. I want you to see him face to face, right? Um, and that I may be less anxious. Verse 29. So receive him in the Lord with all joy. Why, why is that added there? With all joy. Receive him in the Lord. Why add the all joy? Remember how we started this? No, no grumbling. No complaining, right? It's almost like he's adding this positivity thing. You know, you can receive somebody in the Lord with a very serious face, very pious, very pharisaical, 
first Sadducee. And then it would be sad, you see, because there's no joy in you. Nobody wants to receive, receive that way, right? Sadducees, by the way, I always remember the, um, who the Sadducees were because they didn't believe in heaven, life after death. Pharisees did. So the Sadducees were sad, you see, because there was no life after death. The Pharisees, they knew there was life after death, and they thought that was fair, right? Pharisee. Uh, so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Ooh. We're we supposed to honor people? Because I, I was pretty sure we're supposed to honor people. I just thought that right now we're, we're really working on honoring ourselves. Right? I got to get mine. I have my individual rights. You can't make me, right? My independence, all these different things. Sorry, apologies. Apparently it's drugs time. You have the ongoing uh, drug reminder every two hours. I hope she gets some. I don't know. <laughs> we, we, we have to get off of the pattern of honoring ourselves and our own self-interest. Remember, you just said that a few verses ago. I started figuring, how do we honor other people? How do you honor people that you don't want to honor? How do you honor people that are unhonorable, dishonorable? Ooh. Are we called to that? Not ways we are. Because how are they going to get to honorable? Or how are they going to see the light? How are you going to shine for them so they could see who God is? That there's hope for them, that they can act positively with joy, not grumbling, and get onto that path. We set the example. Uh, honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. He did whatever it took to complete what was lacking. He finishes the job. This is the contractor you want at your house, right? Who actually finishes the job, right? Love that. Um, what's that say about us? When we work, when we serve, whatever we do, we do it till the job's finished. We, we take it all the way. Class, character, professionalism, all that kind of stuff. Um, and we're, we're living in a world where that's going to stand out. Because uh, we're making everything out of rubber and plastic these days. It's breaking and falling apart in the whole thing. And we get to be the ones that are long-lasting and true, right? We want to straighten things out that have been bending in the wrong direction. Catching me? Okay. Hey, uh, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? All right. Had a little bit of time this week. And uh, we got four ideas coming out this week, four fill-ins. I know for some of you it's like, we always do three. Well, not technically. Every once in a while we do less and sometimes we do more. Today we're doing four. Um, how, how do we shine as lights? Uh, the first thing we, we see, very first sentence, right? And I joke that's enough for to be the whole sermon, right? Do not, what's it say? Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Um, eliminate negativity. Quit, quit being grumpy. 
Quit complaining, critiquing everything. Well, it was really good, but it, was, it wasn't quite cooked enough on the inside. Shut up and eat it. Right, come on. Really? Yeah, there's a, I need a little more salt. Bring a shaker. Share with everybody, whatever. We, we do this negativity thing in culture, right? My least favorite ones, okay? So, I know, so most of you have figured out, if you've been here for very long at all, I'm a little bit into movies, right? I remember lines from all kinds of random movies all the time and it's, for whatever. I just love movies. What's my least favorite negativity? People, when, if I like movies, then who do I like the least? Movie critics. <clears throat> it's like the worst job. It's not even a job. I, I, I give it no credibility whatsoever. In fact, when I, when I go to, a, to a, like a listing of a movie and the critique guy or gal says, you know, 14% or something, I am going to that movie. If they don't like it, I know I'm going to love it, right? And usually they're like 88% approval rating with critics. Audiences liked it 12%. I was like, oh, I'm with the audience. You found some obscure reason to like this movie. And and if you want to have a bad time, ask somebody for something negative. Hey, what was wrong with the service today? I never ask people that. Why? Because they'll tell me. Hey, what was wrong with the sermon today? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. I've got a whole list that I prepared for you. Would you like to do just the front page today, or do you want to do the front and the back page of this? If you, if you look for negativity, guess what? You'll find it. And you can do that all the time. Or, or... You can stop being grumpy, grumbly, a curmudgeon. And, and then while you're being nice and happy, tell your face. Why? Some of us need to develop more wrinkles, smile wrinkles. We can be negative all we want. Um, and then what are your kids going to learn? Uh, what are your family members going to learn? What are your employees going to learn? What are the people at church going to learn? And we could end up being just like all the negativity that's around us. Dark generation. I says, no, let's eliminate negative uh, and find a new default. Find a new default. When you're up against something you know is wrong, you know it's bad, it's low quality, and you're frustrated, you have to come up with a new default. I, my, one of mine is, uh, I like to say, oh, that's interesting, right? I just like, how do I, how do I switch gears out of going straight negative? Um, there's there, there was a line from La Femme Nikita where the older lady's teaching the younger lady how to be a spy. And she was saying, you know, when things get really, really bad, I always say, I never did mind the little things. I've always remembered that line. I never did mind the little things. And then the spy would like kill everybody in the room or whatever. It's like, but she reminded herself this little thing. You know, I never did mind the little things. I'm going to let those things get to me. Um, there, there was a new default that Paul actually gave us, right? He says for us to shine as lights in the world. But I like what he says um, before that. 
he says, be blameless and innocent. Isn't it up there? Uh, look at the top, verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent. Be innocent in your approach to things, in your approach to people. Be blameless in how you handle things, in your language, in what you promote, um, in what you push back against. Most people are watching. Uh, more importantly, it's going to affect your condition. It will affect your, it will start to change you, right? Biggest influence you have on one person is yourself. And when you become dark and negative and difficult and you, you're going around with a serious face all the time, right, which I've been told a few times, um, people don't want to be around that. They want a break. They want distance. They're going to go find light and shiny and joyful, smiley happy, candy canes, hearts, right? So we got to find a new default, um, whether it's you jump in and get your hands dirty and start fixing the problem, or you just step away and give yourself some distance because that's what you can handle and it's better for them if you get some distance, right? If you point out something or bring relief, there's all kinds of different defaults that you can go to. But they need to be what? Positive and encouraging. Caleb, I'm sorry, I had to say it. Positive and encouraging, Caleb. Um, so eliminate negativity, uh, find a new default. Number two, uh, start with, start with, what do we start with? Okay, Jesus, thank you, Mark. Um, we start with Jesus, but what did I say earlier about how, like, how, do, how do we get Jesus? Like Our primary thing at, in church as Christians, as followers and believers, those that are saved, we're, we're, what's our source? What do we start with? The Word. This book. The one that's open on this stage every Sunday morning. We start with Scripture. We start with Scripture. That's where we get our answers. Now, do we agree with all the answers? Say no. Do we try to follow them anyways? Yes. Do they always make sense? No. Are they easy? No. Sometimes, maybe, right? What's the defining factor for whether Scripture should be used or not? Because ease, comfort, um, efficiency, a lot of those things get thrown out, right? So what's, what's the standard for using Scripture as what we start with? God's. It's the truth. There's a, there's a bunch of good little answers like that to where it's like, well, why do you do that? Well, the Bible says. Well, why does it say that? I don't know. Well, why do you do it? Because the Bible says. Well, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. Well, I don't like it. it doesn't matter either. You do it. Why? Because he said, it's the way my dad raised me. Why do we have to do that? Because I said, well, who are you? I'm the dad. That was it. That was the longest our arguments ever went. Why are we doing that? Because I said, period. <laughs> well, I don't like it. I don't care. That's what we're doing. Yard work today. It's Saturday. Boom. Right? This is, this is where it goes. Give me another reason why we start with Scripture. Aside from God said, Paul wrote it down, it's the practice of the church for all generations. Give me another reason for that. 
hey, hey, we might be relating to the big guy. We might start to understand. It might start to get easier or more efficient. In fact, it might lead to that, that little three-letter word. Starts with J and ends with oi. You, you might get to joy. You might enjoy it. Why do we start with Scripture? Because it works. Oh, I don't know. There's been a few times I've prayed about things and he didn't answer. No, he answered you. He said no. Wait, I thought I was supposed to get, you know, stars in my heart. And I said, no, you don't get everything you want. You're not doing your own interest. You're doing God. And the best way to do God is read the manual. I'll be honest. I don't read manuals. I hate manuals. I hate directions. I hate all that stuff. I get a box of Legos, toss the book, I'm just start building something, right? If I want to build the thing that's on the picture in the very front, yeah, then I can look at the thing. But there's so many other things. I don't want to read the instructions. Half the time, I, I can't tell if I'm reading it upside down or not, and I got to get reading glasses. So much work and the whole thing. I just open the package and start going, uh, this end goes in this side, this goes, oh, that didn't work. All right, flip it over, let's try that. Trial and error, let's just do it that way. And you can do your relationship with the Lord like that. Trial and error. Most people do. It sucks. It sucks the life out of you. It damages you. It leaves scars. Okay? Very seldom do you get smile wrinkles from trial and error. Okay? Once in a blue moon, you stumble on correct. You're like, oh, that was great. And you smile for a second and you go back to trial and error. And most of the time in trial and error, what do you get? You always get trial, and you most all, almost as many times get error, right? How about read the manual? Does it say things about how your mind works, how your body works, what experiences you'll have if you do this, it will lead to that? Absolutely. We start with Scripture because it, it's the only thing that we can build on that will hold weight. And that's the famous, the famous parable. Wise man built his house on the rock, right? How did he start that parable? He said, let me tell you what the kingdom of God is like. He who hears these words of mine and does them, he will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus said it outright from the beginning, Scripture first. We base things on Scripture. Start with Scripture, right? Verse 16, what does it say? He says, holding fast to the word of life. Amen? Amen. Well, I don't know what the Bible says about a few things. Sweet. Look it up. <laughs> Find somebody who does. Well, it doesn't say specifically about posting on social media. They didn't have social media back then, Scott. Great. Find something similar in Scripture and compare it. Super easy. Right? You'll get even better at it as time goes on. Right? Uh, number three. So we're eliminating neg negativity and finding a new default, blameless and innocent. And we're starting with Scripture. And then number three, uh, be genuinely concerned for them. 
not yourself. I mean, to be a light that shines and, and shows who God is, the fastest way for you to be different is to do what he said about uh, Epaphroditus and Timothy. That rather than their own interest, they are generally concerned about the church of Philippi. Who are you genuinely concerned about? Make a list in your head. Start counting them off. Don't say them out loud. There's too many people in here. Um, how, how many are you genuinely, legitimately can say that you're concerned with? And how fast and how many can you add to that list? Can you be genuinely concerned with everybody you come into interaction with? Pretty hard. Why? Because of the last piece, not yourself. Right? Uh, top of my list of people I'm genuinely concerned about. Do you know? Any guesses? Huh? Mm, she's close. She's like maybe number two or three right now. Who's number one? Huh? On my list. Come on. I'm Scott. You know me, right? Raiders, no, they, they dropped, they're, they, they're not even on the list anymore, right? They might have dropped below the Niners, actually. It's scary. I, I, did I just say that out loud? I'm, seriously, you divorced me twice. You left me for, you know, a Hollywood starlet, and then you left me for a hooker in Vegas. That's it. We're over. Relationship's over. Um, no, who's on the top of my list of people I'm generally concerned about? Somebody said Julie? Say it again. Yourself. I am genuinely concerned with myself. Like, full confession, bummer Sunday. I'm the pastor who's figured it out. I'm supposed to love Jesus more than anything. Not so good at it. Why? Because I keep horning my way into the throne. I keep pushing him out of the way. I keep pursuing my own things. And I, I like the idea. You know, Julie should be number one on that list. Yes, absolutely. What's the problem with that? I get in the way, right? If it's not Jesus, it should be Julie. Yeah, sure, the two J's, right? But no, I mess that up when I put myself first. Now, how do you, how do you get yourself out of the way? The way you get yourself out of the way is you, you force yourself to do genuinely concerning things for other people. You go outside yourself, beyond yourself, you make the sacrifice, you put in the work, the time, you spend the money, whatever it is. Discomfort, frustration, you let yourself be wrong. This is the one I hate the most. When I know I'm right, but I have to be wrong for a little while so that they can think they're right and they can try it their way, and then it can fail miserably, cost us more time, money, and energy. I got to go back and redo it. And they had their learning curve and everything, but I got to let that happen. Why? Because I valued them over the process. I valued them over me being right. It's this weird little psychological thing, and maybe this is a game you can play with yourself. When you know you're right, can that be enough for you? Without proving it to someone else, without getting your way, 
can knowing that you're right, inside your intellect and your heart, knowing that I know the best way to do this or the right answer for this is whatever, can you keep that to yourself when other people aren't listening or they've already invested in the direction that they want to go and just, that's enough. I know I'm right. And when they finally want to listen, they'll come back and then I can help them. But for now, being right is enough without getting my way, doing it my way, or having them have to hear me or admit to me or anything. No. I'm just going to be right. That's enough. Folks, that is the crux of the Christian faith. That Jesus Christ died for you, forgave your sins, conquered death, offered you graciously forgiveness and uh, relationship, eventually eternal life, and that whole thing. And knowing that should be enough. That's Paul sick and in jail. I got everything I have that I need. And it's enough. If I get out, I get out. But I don't need to be proven right. I know I'm right. Whoa. And the only way you can prove that you're right or know that you're right is from Scripture, right? Because that's where we start, okay? We'd be positive with the whole thing. All right, so uh, be genuinely concerned for them, not yourself. We see that uh, three different ways, at least, um, and especially in the two guys. But then lastly, uh, meet needs. Meet needs. And serve until when? Like, before they give, don't give, the, don't give them the, the fill-in yet. What's, what's the fill-in? We meet needs, right? That's what we do. If we shine as lights and we're representing God, then we meet needs. We find needs and we fill them, right? No matter what it takes. Okay, everybody pumped up? And serve until when? The day of Christ, right? Remember that day that's coming? No, that's close. It's a good answer, right? Until a need. We meet needs until that need. We serve that need until when? Well, wait, somebody said it. Remember? He said he completed what was lacking. We serve, we serve until complete, till job's done. Right? Remember? That's the, that, that, that's the um, contractor you want at your house? Right? Be the, be the contractor saint where you go and you meet needs. Based on scriptural things and you meet needs until they're finished, until they're complete. Well, I got you most of the way. Now you just need like 20,000 more dollars and you'll be fine. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's go help them. Keep helping them. Until they're finished. Why would we do that? Because meeting the need is more important than you. Whoa. You start to see some value in you. You'll prove your worth. Remember that phrase? You'll prove your worth when you see that you've completed a need. Even though, sure, someone else could have done it, or it didn't have to happen today, whatever. But when you represent God, there's um, an acknowledgement and a feeling that can't be matched, totally unique. And other people pick it up. 
And they might start looking into that relationship that God was talking about. Amen? So let's shine his lights. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for um, our opportunity to be in the game. You let us shine rather than just you being the only representation of you. You actually let us be part of it. Uh, you give us roles, responsibilities. You help us to be effective. Pray, Lord, that you would um, show us opportunities, show us people and relationships that we can invest in, that we can genuinely be concerned about. Needs that we can meet and serve and complete. Ways to be blameless and innocent. Uh, a mentality and a focus. Just give us direction, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we get direction from your word and from your spirit. And then, Lord, I pray for those who've never decided to do that, that they, they started today. If that's you, you've never, you've never taken direction from God, from his word, from his spirit. You've never accepted Christ as Savior and, and enjoyed forgiveness. Make that decision today. If that's you, let us know. But you could say a simple prayer. Lord, I'll follow you, your spirit, your word from now on. Today I'm yours forevermore. And then let that sink in. Father, thank you for this those opportunities that we have and for the offering that we're about to receive, Lord. Pray you bless it. Praise in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. Denise, can you give me that slide? It starts with, um, there's a grave that holds no body. We just, um, there you go. There is a grave that holds no body. What's that next line right there? And now that power lives in me. Shining lights. May you shine. Amen. Go with him. <laughs>